Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you from our studio on the sea. On the sea we sail. We are in our cruise cabin where we are about to spend a month, um, three-fourths of which is already done. Uh, Well, we have been spending a month. Sailing from Singapore to Rome. And with this journey, Ah, we have concluded that we have inadvertently sailed (laughs) around the entire world a little bit at a time. In addition to going around the world on this particular trip, because we left from Chicago going west, and we will come in to Chicago from the east. So we will have completed... an. A duel around the world. Well, I always thought it would be really cool to do a around-the-world cruise, but they're always very expensive, and being on a cruise ship for a month is bad enough for the waistline, much less for a whole year. So, but we saw the Queen Mary, and it was here on a hundred and three-day around-the-world cruise, and boy, with the people on their creakers, made us people think we are old. (laughs) It took them half an hour just to unload the bus because the people were all using walkers. If you're really lucky, someday that'll be you. Me? Yeah. I'm going to have to be in that condition. So where should we start? Last time we did the podcast a bit early because we were anticipating this trip and it encompassed two first of the months, so we did that one a bit early. So that we so cheated. none of this trip was. Uh, we didn't a, talk about it at all. Talk, talk about it because we hadn't been on it. So we took off from Chicago, and I think we mentioned last time about uh, using our frequent flyer miles to upgrade ourselves to business class. And how was that? I am a business class gal. <laughs> We don't want to sound arrogant and like it's normal, but as we mentioned last month, if you have uh, good spending habits and use your credit cards wisely, you can turn that into frequent flyer miles, which will benefit you because the two ways of this trip from uh, Chicago to Singapore, which was outrageously long. And and, and would be outrageously expensive if you bought a business class ticket. Yes, exactly. Uh, we paid for it cost us about two hundred dollars, and we paid for it all with miles that we had accrued through our Chase Sapphire credit card. So it's possible for even us peons to do the executive flight type with the live flatbeds and gourmet food, and one of the biggest benefits was the layover in Hong Kong when we went to the business class lounge and were able to take a shower and have breakfast That's and a wonderful pleasure. internet. Um, every time, the few times, that we've been able to stay in a business class lounge, I've always been sorry when it was time to leave and get back on the plane yeah. because they're so very pleasant. Even even though we had a chance to sleep on the plane and a chance to take a shower, you still no. feel like hell when you finally get from Chicago to Singapore um, because when I put my watch back on after I took a shower I realized that I didn't need to change the time on my watch because I was exactly 12 time zones away from where I started and 
I never, I've never been good at jet lag, but as I've been getting older, it really takes me a long time to adjust. I want to do everything that I can to optimize the mental damage that I suffer from going through all those time zones. So did you sleep on the plane? Quite a bit. Did you? Yeah. Did it help? I don't know. <laughs> so we flew to Hong Kong, where we laid over for about five hours, where we did the shower thing, and had uh, some more food, and then we took uh, the f- flight to Singapore. How do you like Singapore? We liked it very much. We have been there but. before, but not for a long time. The way that those people have um, made the most of their little bit of their rock at the bottom of the Malaysian Peninsula is amazing. Um, I think some people might argue that because they are so busy refurbishing and going higher and going lower and making more room for more people, that they've kind of lost their charm and their original identity. But it certainly would be a very pleasant place to live if it wasn't 80 miles from the equator and hot and humid all the time. Yes, but uh, we visited 30 years ago, and it was amazing how much construction and building and newness there was in Singapore. And land reclamation. We remember going to the Raffles Hotel, which was like the it place at that time, and and having a slow gin fizz, is that it? Singapore Singapore Sling. sling, Singapore Sling. And that the Raffles Hotel was right on the water, and now it's like... Miles away from the seashore. Because they've reclaimed all this land that they now use to house people and to, for these big, tall uh, skyscrapers, which are unbelievable there. However, it's not Dubai later on in the cruise. And the other thing that Singapore has done because it doesn't have enough land space is to go underneath. And since we visited there, they've put in an extensive metro system, which, of course, is clean and wonderful. And the, even their university, I think they said they had 60,000 students attending the university, and almost all of it is under the ground because yeah. there was nowhere else for them to go. It's really an amazing place. But it is heavily controlled. No car is over 10 years old. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And highly taxed. Because the government takes away the cars of any anything that's more than 10 years old and sells them off to another country. You don't really get to keep your car for any extended period of time, and driving a car is extremely expensive. You also get the impression that no one in Singapore cooks in their own home uh. because there are so many places, so many affordable places to eat. Uh, Singapore is mostly Chinese, but there's a sizable Indian population that came there to be merchants, and it's at the bottom of the Malay Peninsula, so there are a lot of Malaysians there as well. And all three of these major enclaves have their own cooking style and open what they call food stalls, which are which you used to be like eating on the street but because it's Singapore are much more highly organized and regulated and under roof but you could have an excellent meal like a food court yes, kind of yes. an experience uh for, for next to nothing. And we know this because we took the food tour. You know, if you go to a big city, uh, they all these days have walking food tours. We did a, not only a bicycle tour, but we did the food tour too. So we really got kind of into the inside of Singapore, going to all the villages, the, the Chinatown and the old town. And it's just very interesting to see all these, these things from the ground level at a slow pace. And because I like to take pictures, it it gives me a chance to crash my bike and (laughs) as I'm taking pictures (laughs) or walking where I could just take them ordinarily. So 
that's a nice uh, tip if you're thinking about doing this, if you do a, a search on TripAdvisor or if you just do a search on Google you'll for the city, you'll find uh, companies that offer. Uh, we've And we've done them in, in many, many places. And always had a great time. They've always been interesting, right. Something that's new in Singapore. Well, Singapore has a problem because it is an island, and the people who live there, although they have a nice life, get bored because they only see the limited space that they have. So the government has tried to bring in some attractions that will make a Singaporean feel like they have gone somewhere. And even when we were there in the late 70s, uh, they had built Sentosa Island, which was Uh. kind of a beach resort type place where you can go and chill and drink too much and lay on the sand. And more recently, they built um, Bayside Gardens, which is a huge botanical garden, shall Mm. I say. Um, Two huge domes where they have brought in... Many plants from everywhere in the world, and they have put them in in such a way that you feel like they've been growing there forever, even though they haven't. And they have artificial climates. One was kind of Mediterranean, and one was kind of deserty. And the flower and plant exhibits were just stunning and we've been to many nice gardens all over the world and and you walk through and take escalators and elevators i mean they're massive and then outside they have these towers that look like trees kind of uh which contain solar panels which help to air condition or climatize these domes and also collect water whenever it rains for the plants and they try to be very ecological in their approach to things that place was amazing so after three or four days in Singapore, uh, we boarded our ship, which we were doing a back-to-back cruise, uh, the first one being from Singapore to du- well, Abu, Dhabi, Abu Dhabi, and then from Abu Dhabi to Rome, which is uh, where we're headed now. These two cruises, on the- we were in the same cabin on the same ship uh, for the same number of days for both cruises. Both were 15 days, and one was half the price of the other. Why is that? Because one was a repositioning cruise. Yeah, so if you're looking for a good deal on a cruise, you might want to consider, as we've mentioned before, getting a repositioning cruise. Repositioning cruises are nice because, <laughs> for us because uh, this one has 10 days at sea and four ports. That's why we have time to talk to you today. And the other one had probably just 10 ports and four days at yeah, sea. Yeah, it so it was just the opposite. Pace. So that was grueling. So let's say this. If you are an average working American with only two weeks of vacation, a repositioning cruise is not a good idea because unless you just want to chill, which when we were still working people sometimes was all that I was up to was chilling, uh, you don't go very many places on a repositioning cruise. Um, So for people who want to see a lot of stuff in a short period of time, a regular cruise would be a better choice, but it's much more expensive per day. And, of course, a repositioning cruise is where the cruise company is uh, taking a ship and moving it from one market to another. So this ship was doing uh, cruises between Singapore and Abu Dhabi all of the winter season and now was repositioning it into the Mediterranean where it will be doing cruises out of Rome and Barcelona. So they need to get the ship between the two places, and they offer just one or two 
two cruises a year if it goes back and forth between the same two markets, and you can take advantage of that. So repositioning cruises are only in the fall and winter, or fall and spring and fall, and you need to be aware of them because you can't just book it for any old time because it'll be at a very special once a year, twice a year type of event. There were quite a few people on this cruise that were doing back-to-back. Some did back-to-back before we got on. We were on their second cruise, and then there were people like us who were taking the ship back to Europe. And if you plan ahead, you can get your same cabin for the entire experience, but a fair number of them had to move from one cabin to another. The ship's crew helps you with that. It's really not a big deal. It's just slightly So about 330 people uh, were back-to-backers out of about 2,000 on the ship, so uh, one-sixth of the passengers stayed on from one cruise to another. And as a matter of fact, we knew that some people did back-to-back-to-back-to-back four times, and they were doing the Asia cruise that came to Singapore, and then our leg, and then the the final leg. So it's possible to make these ships into combinations, and it's always a good idea to look and see where the ship was before the week before or the week after you were planning on cruising just to see if you might be interested in in doing that cruise also. If you have time. If you have time. And certainly we've spoken to a lot of Europeans who use these as a way to get to and from the U.S. because they don't like to fly very much. And in in light of the recent news stories, I don't think I like to fly very much either. Um, and, And it doesn't cost a lot more and in some cases it costs less than to fly. So that's another reason to think about. We flew to Singapore uh, on one frequent flyer ticket, and then we're flying home from Rome on a whole different ticket. So we're even using different airlines, and it doesn't matter. The whole thing is is different. So that's that's the other miles. issue with the repositioning is is that you're going to go from one. It's a not a round trip. That's not a round tripper, right? But we get to go around the world, and we really have had vast cultural shifts on this trip. I mean, starting in Asia, it was very hot and humid. We had four stops in India, which you've heard us talk about before that were just as chaotic and garbagey and delightful as they were the first time we were there. (laughs) Well, that sounds like someplace I'd really like to go. It's not a very tidy place. (laughs) But the people are so fun, and the culture is so rich, and the um, vegetation and the way they do things is just so different from the United States. I like it very much. And we probably like best our stop in Mumbai, which is a big city that we hadn't made it to yet, because Mumbai has definitely made some inroads in this chaotic garbagey um, problem that India has. Um, but many, there were no cows on the street? Did you miss that? Well, there were cows, but they were all um, owned, owned by somebody who was feeding them and giving them water, and they weren't wandering around eating garbage as like they were before in our other trip. And because they have converted all of their taxis and buses and many of their private cars to LPG, NPG? CNG. Air, air pollution that we experienced in the other part of India. So that was very Compressed nice. natural gas. It's always nice to be able to breathe. Now, the question is that we spent six weeks on a land tour. Of in, India. And on this cruise, we did four ports. So we did about as intense a immersion into India or to any country, as you'll find, because you don't usually go to four ports. So which 
version of India is more accurate. Oh, certainly the more time you spend somewhere, the better picture you get of what it's all about. And certainly a country as large as India has so many different aspects that you couldn't see it in four ports. Just talking to people who had never been to India before and were relying on their experiences in these four ports, their view of India was skewed. Unlimited. Uh, very well, I don't, but I don't think they knew that, and mm-hmm. that's the problem with a cruise. Is is that you get this very well? It's intense for a few hours, but you're back on the ship after a few hours, so you, you don't really get to know the country. You don't make any commitments, and even on this cruise, because of the back-to-back nature, we had two stops in Oman, a country we had never been to before, and our first thought was, well, what are we going to do there? But Again, it's a huge country. Two stops gave us a little bit more knowledge than we had before. Um, But to really do a good job, you would have to take a land tour to see what it's all about. We found that the land tour that we took of India was much more complete, and we had this picture of the Indian people as being dynamic and very... Uh, positive and resourceful. resourceful and with a very positive outlook on the future, I thought, overall. Whereas some of the people came back from the, the cities that we visited and were kind of down because India is very different from the United States. And they do seem to be dirty and chaotic, but even though there's tons of traffic, there's, unlike Cuba, uh, there's tons of traffic and horns all over and people seemingly not, you know, not following any sort of laws or directions. There were never any accidents, or very few. The things that turn you off are the things that are easy to notice when you first get right. there. And the things that are wonderful about India are not as apparent on a superficial visit. And that's, I think, true for everywhere, but India especially. But I think you need to be especially alert to that when you're on a cruise, is that you can't judge a country by the two or three hours that you spend there, or the ten hours, or whatever it happens to be. Isn't that true? Yes, definitely. Yeah. And so we are still advocates of land tours. And we enjoy cruising, but it's very definitely just a superficial visit to any place. I would say we've pretty much avoided the Middle East for the obvious reasons that most Americans avoid the Middle East. And the cruise was a safe way to get a taste of Uh, what things are like in this part of the world. We have a much better understanding of the geography of the area and that not all of the people are Islamic terrorists out to get us. And uh, we, we encountered a lot of hospitality, a lot of wonderful buildings and cities and architecture, good food, um, and done in a very pleasing to the Westerner sort of way. But um, during our sail past Mogadishu <laughs> and um, through Somalia. the Straits of Hormuz and We went Somalia. through the Straits of Hormuz. How many of you have heard of that? I mean, we've heard about that for years and years and it's years. where all the oil how, tankers well, come through from being, Saudi. being armed and the, the military ships. But when we, we were never in know this, exactly where it was. When we were in this da- more dangerous part of the world, we were impressed to see that the ship did take some precautions. Big time. Um, we were supposed to stay inside um, the ship at night and turn off all exterior lights and not go out on our balcony. They put crime tape over all the doors to remind us. And depending on which fact or rumor you listen to, they apparently took um, some 
Navy sharpshooters aboard who, who patrolled the decks and kept an eye out for any unwelcome visitors who were trying to board our ship. And because you didn't hear about us in the news, you know that we had absolutely no problems, but we have heard of another um, tanker in the area about the same time we were that has been taken has hostage. been captured, yeah. and the crew is, being, is, host, is a hostage at the moment. So this is an iffy part of the world, and because of that, maybe I was more comfortable right. for my first visit to be on a cruise ship where I didn't spend so much time on land. Well, and you get to go to places like Oman, which you might not otherwise go to. It's not really a destination country, but we got to go there, and it was interesting, and it was worth seeing. But uh, it's not Hong Kong or Singapore or Dubai or Abu Dhabi. You know, it's not one of the big places that you would probably go to see. So that that is interesting to do that. And the other thing that kind of surprised me, especially in the Mon area, was how much animal life there was. Usually when you're on a cruise ship, you um, hear about whales in Alaska, but you never see any. And many of the people on our um, ship who who took whale watching and dolphin watching tours saw a great deal. We have a naturalist on board who talks regularly about the different kind of birds that he's been spotting, especially in the Oman area. And I understand that there is a part of Oman that is very wild and natural that is worth visiting if you are an animal lover that we didn't even get to. We were mostly interested in the Arab culture and the mosques and those kinds of So the cruise lets the you six. visit these places uh, that <laughs> really only deserve a very short visit or, you know, as give far a as taste we know, of it. Right, as far as right. That is a definite benefit of cruising. Uh, cruising is an interesting experience, and we certainly have seen many changes over the last uh, 45 years since we have been cruising. And one of the, the biggest changes, I think, is in all the fees that uh, cruise ships now charge. They now have drink packages so for $45 a day you can have unlimited drinks drink yourself into oblivion <laughs> right and they have soft but they have soft drink packages too because you realize that uh, cruise ships always charge you for soft drinks so the only thing that's free are tea and coffee and it's just ordinary coffee if you want to have a latte you have to pay extra or you can get the drinks package and of course we also have to pay gratuities which for us uh, per cruise was about $400 and that's something that don't always make um, super clear, but every cruise ship uh, does this. And another thing that they they charge for is internet, and we have seen big changes in uh, the internet uh, on various ships. But these are all perks, and depending on how you negotiate your cruise fare when you make your booking, you might get some of these perks for free. And this is one of the things that's happening in the cruise market, is is that they don't discount the prices, but they give you free benefits. So on this cruise, it was possible to get the drinks package for free, it was possible to get the Wi-Fi for free, laundry for free, and there was something else. The gratuities for free. Um, Depending on how... How, how high a standing you have with this cruise line, how well you negotiated when you made the booking. It's more and more feeling to me like I'm buying a used car. It used to feel like the price <laughs> like was, it was all inclusive. Like the price was the price and then you were done with it. Well, but but when you look at the prices or you get a quote from a travel agent, you have to be sure to ask them if there are any benefits being being offered. 
And it appears that you shouldn't just ask that at the time that you are booking, but that you should check back with your agent up until the time you leave to see if additional inducements have been added. For example, on this cruise, we have a great many passengers who come from Great Britain, and apparently their booking always included the free drinks package. Who knew that British were such luscious? Um, where this was not offered to us. And, Americans. Uh, so it's very interesting to learn all the tricky details as you talk to your fellow passengers to see what they got compared to what you got. Right. So you need to negotiate with the travel agent and look at exactly what uh, the fare is for, for the cabin, but what the perks are that you're going to you're going to pay some extra money, and, and the gratuities are pretty much, for instance, are pretty much not uh, negotiable. But you can get them kicked in as a perk. And then you can have OBC, which is onboard credit. And this is something that we have just experienced because our cruise included $350 per cruise as OBC, which means you can spend the money on the ship for whatever you want. You can buy shore excursions. You can buy things in the shops. You can buy drinks. You can buy wine. You can buy whatever you want. It's Pay for the exercise it's, it's classes. Because you have a credit uh, what looks like a credit card, which is your room key, uh, and that's used for buying everything on the ship. There's no cash exchanged. So they just keep a running tab, and you have uh, this $350. If you go over, of course, they're going to charge a credit card. You're going to pay for it at home. But... Uh, travel agents will offer you a, a benefit, which is OBC. And we were kind of using this $350 as a way to pay off the gratuities because we didn't, weren't charging very much. But we found out... Very mysterious. We didn't get our she OBC. has this quizzical look on we her face. We didn't get our OBC for the second cruise. Always pay attention to your statement, which is broadcast in this ship on our TV set. And so we questioned why we didn't get the OBC. And then when they looked into it, they discovered that we were also entitled to free gratuities, which makes us wonder if we should have had them on the last cruise, but that's water under the bridge. So, so our travel agent didn't offer this to us. It didn't tell us about it. So. so suddenly we found ourselves sitting on a little gold mine that we... Because we had, we, yeah, we we had paid for all of our shore excursions, and we had this OBC in our in our account. And Celebrity conveniently has a great relationship with Apple. They have an eye lounge, which is actually a learning center for computing, but it's all uh, Apple products, and they actually sell Apple products on board. So I'm taking home a new iPad for free. So for almost free, Martha's getting a brand new iPad. So if anybody has the need for an iPad 3, her old one, <laughs> it's for sale. Uh, unexpectedly. Not Ken. No, it's mine. Martha What's is my getting time? the new iPad. What's what am I getting? Well, that's because they a didn't have a $5 t-shirt. Because they didn't have anything highfalutin enough for you. Well, and it was what you wanted. So I'm only we were, so we are kind of lucky that they had the uh, the Apple Store something here on the board because otherwise would, I would have been us. I would have had to buy a new watch what a and shame. I would have to retire my Apple Watch what or you'd shame. have to buy a Bengals 
top or something. Yeah. So, so we're using our onboard credit uh, for this type of thing. But you need to consider when you book exactly what they're going to offer you and find out what what they are offering you, which we obviously made a mistake. To be clear, onboard credit is pretty common on every cruise line these days that we're aware of. Uh, this Apple business was unique to this particular cruise it's line. It's a celebrity, yeah. right? And every celebrity ship has an iLounge on board. But the, the, the problem with OBC is is that when the cruise is over, it's gone. Lose it you or use it or lose it. They, don't, they do not refund it, so you have to spend it. Um, it's not like you can get it back in cash, although there are various rumors about going to the casino and doing some tricky, tricky details about how to get it back as cash. But a new iPad's not bad. I was very surprised how many they sold. And talking to the manager in the iLounge, they charge U.S. prices. And according to everybody else, these are substantially lower, especially, I guess, with the dollar exchange rate, that that other people would be paying two or $300 more than we would pay in the U.S. So they, they, find, them at home. they find the Apple prices on board to be quite low. And as you know, Apple doesn't really give you much of a discount anyway. So if you can get yourself a discount through the currency exchange <laughs> then, then uh, or buying them at U.S. prices rather than European prices, apparently that's a good deal. So you can save your money and come on Celebrity. How do you like Celebrity? Um, I liked it. I really. This is only our second cruise on Celebrity. Well, second and third. Why well, yes? We really like the Wi-Fi on this ship. Ooh. It's the best Wi-Fi we've ever had. Now watch me say that, and then you're going to struggle getting the podcast. I'm not anticipating any web. trouble at all. Uh, the the Wi-Fi has been fabulous. So what's how do I? Which say is a perk that we bought from home, which if we could have used the OBC for, right. but I bought it from home. But you got it. I got it. Yes, I got a discount. Right. So. So I would say if you're anywhere near the Internet Wi-Fi fiends that we are um, on a cruise, it seems to make sense to buy the unlimited package rather than Which those is packages. something that's offered today. Where you... Uh, oh, sorry. Where you um, purchase and use the Wi-Fi by the minute. Um, because even though the Wi-Fi is pretty fast on this ship, when you're paying by the minute, it just always makes you so tense and nervous to get everything done right, right away. We get, we get uh, 90 minutes free because we are elite passengers. Semi-important. So uh, we upgraded that to, we bought one unlimited package, but uh, which means that we can have one device online full-time. And we've been able to download podcasts and, and the, everything The newspaper like from home. The newspaper from home. It's uh, I'm getting five, six, seven megabits a second. So download. So it's it's very reasonable. We talked to the guy. <laughs> Am I going to go off of geek land? You, yeah, go ahead and explain this, or should I just explain it? In simple terms? <laughs> Please. My understanding of this. <laughs> Is that when you, let's say, press a button because you want to download your Facebook, um, it takes a long time for your request to go up to the satellite and for the satellite to begin comprehending your request. You missed You missed the... the but once <laughs> the Facebook starts loading, it's lickety-split. Okay, so we were I was even able to to stream a movie. We've never done I that know. on a cruise ship. I was just streaming some YouTube. The bottom line is is that I, 
most of the new ships are using low earth satellites which means they have to capture the satellites as they go over because the satellites are are passing overhead this ship is using bonded stationary satellites so it's like the one we had in our rv except they get three satellites simultaneously and thus a much broader bandwidth and it works throughout the world uh, I was very surprised at this, but unfortunately, the bottom line to that is that you have a very long ping time, which causes what Martha dis- did, tried to describe. So now, now she talks about it. so streaming things continuously is fine, but if you do a lot of up and down traffic where you're requesting things like doing uh, searches on Google, it takes a long time for the message to come back. So a lot of people think that it's slow, but it actually is very fast for continuous downloads. So things like podcast downloads, where it's just streaming uh, the data down to you, it happens very quickly. But if you make a bunch of requests and re- replies and you know browsing web pages and, and things like that, it can take an extra time. And I tried to FaceTime with my sister, and that was still troubling in troubling. terms of the experience. Yes. We got a little conversation in with a lot of waiting for it to re-establish right. connections. But because Netflix just sends you the data continuously as a stream, there's no back and forth between you and it, whereas FaceTime is you talk and goes up to the satellite back down, or she talks, goes up to the satellite back down. So that can take a lot of time and, and, and introduce some time like and I can remember cruises where we would be in dead zones, both in terms uh-huh. of the Wi-Fi and the TV reception, and we haven't right. experienced that at all. Not too much. Yeah, we, we've had a few dead times, but uh, we get uh, seeing a bunch of channels. I'm surprised. I'm very, very robust. It's uh-huh. been, it's been the cruising world is improving and you always need to know the tricky details so that you can optimize your, <laughs> optimize your experience yeah. the weather has changed it's now only about 65 degrees outside so uh, as we head north towards athens and rome it's getting much colder and we are not ready for it it's a reminder that it's still early that's spring. right it doesn't has not seemed like early spring at all And back in Chicago, it's even colder. But we will be back there at the beginning of May. Uh, And we will be home for an extended period of time. Just as we have not been talking a whole lot about RVing on this podcast, we (laughs) won't have a whole lot to talk about with RVing for perhaps a long, long time. I have... I'm scheduled to have foot surgery the week after we get back, and because it involves um, severing or cutting or partially removing my Achilles tendon, um, the forecast for healing time is 10 to 12 months. So um, unlike our usual retirement behavior, we have not made any reservations or any plans to go anywhere or do anything because we don't want us to make commitments we can't keep until we see how well this goes. So I don't know what a 10 to 12 month recovery time means if it means strength if it means pain a little of both we will keep talking to you but i may be talking to you from my bed boo-hoo oh and of course that means we won't be traveling too much so we'll be stuck at home so come and visit us in a house near you <laughs> our house <laughs> and get and Take Ken out to dinner because he's going to be really tired of being the chief cook and bottle washer. Oh, and no Nurse more just Nancy. Tuesdays. I have to cook every, every day. day. Oh, no. I'm going to come off this 30-day cruise where I've had all this three meals a day. And, and we're both going to be really suffering. 
Oh, well. Oh, well. Hopefully I will come out well on the other side and we can hit the road once again. Yes, we will be putting the pedal to the metal and heading out west or someplace that will be exciting. So this ship uh, is the, the, the Celebrity Constellation is a fairly small ship. And, of course, in January we were on the largest cruise ship in the world, the Harmony of the Seas. What is your comparison, Mrs. Weisman? <laughs> There's no comparison. <laughs> we went on the Harmony of the Seas, not giving a hoot for where it went, because we knew the ship was so entertaining right. and had so many interesting venues. I think we talked about that to you a few months ago. Or um, this ship, we went because we liked where it was going. And, and the ship is fine, it's comfortable, but it's not glitzy. Uh, because the weather has been warm, a lot of people go outside, and those who don't like to sit in the sunshine can stay in, and it hasn't felt crowded. But if we were in um, a less enjoyable part of the world and everybody had to stay inside, I think it would feel pretty crowded because there uh, aren't that many places to but go. But they did a good job with the entertainment and uh, keeping us busy. They've uh, Something they do on repositioning cruises frequently is have extra guest lectures and this has had some great we spent four hours almost every sea day uh, listening to professors talk about various topics of interest. Two, di- two different men talked to us about the Suez Canal which we went through yesterday and even though they didn't really plan it, they each brought their own take on what they thought we should know about it, and it was a vastly enriching experience. Then when we finally did go through the Suez Canal, we understood what we were looking at and why it was there and how it works. And And how is it different than the Panama Canal? It has no locks. (gasps) has no locks. Therefore, it can accept much, much larger ships. I didn't realize that even the new locks in In Panama, Panama, which we saw the last time we were there, can't take the biggest ships. Whereas this, this, uh, the Suez here, because it has no locks, can accept any size ship. As long as they keep dredging, dredging, dredging. It's, it's a very strange experience because right. you are on water, obviously, but when you look out the window, all you see is sand, sand and desert. <laughs> desert, right. And um, they have to keep dredging because the sand keeps sliding yes, back into the water. And uh, it's an ongoing problem for them. And more recently, they have done more two-way lanes uh, so that, the ships don't have to wait so long for each other, which has cut the transit time. I think they said when it was first built, it took 40 hours to go through it, and now it takes 11. So that's a significant improvement. And you just sail in and sail through, but you have to do it in a convoy, and our convoy was 27 ships long, and because our places, they have kind of a, a bulge in the middle where the convoys can pass, so one's coming south and one's coming north, and so the, the convoys pass midday, and then uh, each goes back to the direction the other one was coming and, and exits. So it, it was an interesting experience, um, and in the Panama, of course, you go through a series of three locks at one end, and then you go through the, a similar set of three locks at the other end, and that takes a lot of time, because they have to raise and lower you, and there's a lot of mechanism involved and gates and water. And, but the Suez is an open river, essentially, between the Mediterranean and the, the, Red, sea. the Red Sea. And the Red Sea is much more salty. 
than the mud, which has meant that the animals that came from the Red Sea could make a better adjustment to the Mediterranean waters than vice versa, which of course is causing other ecological problems as things do whenever man messes with how things have been set up. Um, On a positive note, though, we learned that the coral that lives in the Red Sea is much better adapted to warmer seas because the Red Sea can be as hot as 80-some degrees Uh in the summer, they said. Oh, more than that. And so they are hoping that maybe they can take some of this coral and transplant it to areas of the world where the coral has been bleaching so bad as the waters have become more warm. It's, It's a big problem. So, as usual, man is out there building stuff for his own enjoyment. Well, and you, think, you, you, you don't think about right. Um, so, the governments, though, are trying to control the flow of fish and stuff between the bodies of water, and who knows whether it'll work. We should talk a little bit about RVing. Oh, okay. You know, I wanted to mention, <laughs> we obviously have dinner every day with somebody, and it's been very interesting that... They always ask, you know, where, what are you doing and where do you live? And we say, well, we live in our motorhome for four or five months of the year. And they say, oh, how could you possibly do that? And then I have on my phone the the pictures of our motorhome. And because uh, there are only about 300 Americans on board, most of them have not contemplated the type of motorhome that we have. Have seen one. And they've never seen one. And so I show them the pictures of ours and they go, wow, that's something that... So in, we've generated a lot of envy and So there are a lot of uh, Brits, there are a lot of Aussies on board, and uh, a few Americans and a smattering and of other... And other English-speaking people. Well, another South Africa and Holland. Uh, South Africa. And, yeah. It's been a our good motorhome conversation has been, topic. has been something of a hit in terms of... Because some people say, oh, you're the motorhome people. <laughs> and I guess we are. I, guess. I had some questions this month about the Mobley <laughs> And the uh, the rural internet plan that we mentioned uh, a couple of months ago. I'm sorry that I can't give you the specifics because I'm not really going to be working on this until I get home. I mentioned those two things uh, as information pieces, but uh, not uh, having much experience. So if you are seriously looking at... Uh, the Mobley or some sort of unlimited internet plan, um, I would encourage you to take a look at the website RV Mobile Internet. These folks do a great job of summarizing and reviewing. Uh, I just recently joined their site, although they have a lot of content for free. I have uh, joined because I want to support them, and they have a lot of additional content, which uh, is very specific to the two topics that people are most interested in when they talk about Internet, and that's Wi-Fi and cell. And one of the the confusing factors, I think, is is that these are two entirely separate technologies and that you don't buy, as a rule, a Wi-Fi cell, cellular uh, extender, for instance. Uh, you know, we have one from Wilson and we have the other one from Wi-Fi Rogue, and they're two separate pieces of equipment and fairly expensive on each end. So you have to separate it and ask questions that are specific to each of those technologies because they vary different very widely for instance of course campgrounds don't offer any any cellular service so it's always wi-fi just uh, increase your knowledge about this and decide when i talk about unlimited internet i'm talking about the cellular internet wi-fi is always unlimited um but it's often very slow. So there's, it's it's <laughs> a constant battle to get enough data. I did notice that WineGuard 
has this new device, which is going to contradict what I just said. It's a device that you mount on your roof. It has five, count them, five antennas that you put that, no, no, you don't put, that are mounted on it. And it provides extension for both cell and Wi-Fi, all in one package. And I think they were... Uh, answering the the need for people just want to have you know lots of data and they don't want to have to worry about whether it's cell or wi-fi so this device apparently will help you with that it's brand new it's reviewed on the rv mobile internet and uh, i'm going to be taking a look at it although it uh, duplicates one device especially for somebody who's just starting out somebody who's just starting out you really might want to take a look at this it's it's very much oriented toward rvers you mount it on your roof there's some device that goes on the inside and then and then you've got cell connection which you have to pay for one way and then you get the the wi-fi which you get from the campground or someplace and uh that should uh help people in a big way does this sound logical to you sure so i'll put a link up to the to that on the website and uh, hopefully you'll be able to find some. You can research it because we won't be able to. Right. We found a, a new RV program on the TV. It's called Fun Roads. Is it's, it RV or is it car travel? I haven't seen it, so I don't know, but you might want to take a look at it. I'll put a link up there. But Fun Roads sounds like interesting places to go to with go your RV. Visit. I'm the kind of person who goes into happiness levitation <laughs> whenever I go to the container store and oh, the container store my Ikea place. Oh. comes a close second in my mind and one thing as I as long always, as you have the skills to put it together <laughs> one thing I always wrestle with um, in the motorhome is how best to store things so that they don't fly around and so that I can find them once again it's called seven totally awesome Ikea hacks yeah. for your RV and we found the Ikea in Abu Dhabi yes even in Abu Dhabi so, you can Shop at, at Ikea. So it takes products that are easily available at Ikea, at Ikea and kind of repurposes them for storage in your RV. And it gives you some good suggestions. And so Things Ikea always has great names. So you can take the scub boxes. S-K-U-B-B. And turn them into... Uh, Clothing storage boxes for your RV. I didn't know they sold solar lights. Oh, yeah, they have. I've got some. Uh huh. And your Soterra recycling bin. So you're going to want to look at this website. Folding hook. A folding hook sounds like a really nice idea. You put hooks everywhere. And LED lights. And then kitchen containers for dry food jars. Anyways, so IKEA sells some interesting products. And it makes sense, too, because IKEA comes from Europe, and Europeans tend to live in much smaller homes and apartments than we do, and they are already thinking about these same storage and uh-huh, small space it's many, issues. In many ways, it's the same it's thing. It's the same problem, yeah. So it's not no surprise that they're ahead of us in that. So 15 camping mistakes, mistakes and, and how, how to avoid, avoid them. them. I think the first one says don't run out of gas. <laughs> Great idea. Don't kind run of, out of gas. Kind of a rule for my whole life. <laughs> um, check your, checking your water levels. Water level gauges are notoriously inaccurate, especially the black tank. 
as we have seen many times. Oh, camping under trees. Yeah, this is something that we always used to love to do when we were in our tent long ago because trees give you shade and trees make you feel like you're having an outdoor woodsy experience. But you also need to pay attention to the fact that things, trees have things in them that fall on you, including large it branches. Stick to, it wants to stick to you with gookie. That's one of the biggest... Sap? Tree sap? Yeah, that's one of the biggest things that I notice is that tree sap is really... Picking your neighbors, yeah. This this can be a real problem because usually you get, you get assigned a campsite and then you have no control over who comes in next to you. Sometimes I've, I've, we've gone to campgrounds where they say, we'll just drive around and pick a, pick a site. You, know, you want to pay attention to any clues you can get from the kind of people that are next to you. If you have a young family, you might enjoy camping next to another young family so your kids have somebody to play with where in our case that would probably be a bad choice uh being security conscious this is uh something that's been very active uh, on the message boards these days is uh, security and in all honesty we have had very few security issues almost none we've lost one beach towel in mexico that's all i can we rarely lock stuff to our motorhome we rarely lock the door or lock the, the bays. bay doors so i don't consider security to be much of an issue even in walmart parking lots and things we've just never had never had much of an issue I and we've camped in cities too. And maybe we've just been lucky or stupid, but <laughs> well, I, one of the questions that many newbies have is: is Are that, people worried about being robbed, yeah, or have yeah, they been robbed? No, they're worried about uh-huh. it, and they're and they're people, watching too much TV. People, yeah, it could be. I don't know, but this certainly has not been a problem for us. And we've camped, of course, multiple countries and well, all the states. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another one they mentioned is about leaving rubbish out. People need to be sensitive to the fact that they are sharing the campground with creatures who will come in the night and eat the rubbish and make a big mess. And you want to pay attention to how the campground has the um, bins situated. We've been in areas where bears have been a big problem, and usually you have to wrestle with the bin a little bit to get it open, but that's so that the bears can't get into it as well, and you don't just want to leave trash out. Yeah, and campfires are a similar thing to good neighbors. We've had many times when the smoke from our neighbor's, neighbor's fire... campground goes into our bedroom, and we're laying there with burning <laughs> eyes trying to sleep. We, and we nobody likes a good campfire more than us, but you really have to be pay attention to your neighbors and make sure that you're not bothering gassing them. them out. Gassing them out, because... <laughs> it can happen. We have multiple ways of having campfires because we have our our paraffin campfire and we have our alcohol campfire. That's not drinking alcohol. But I think we've talked about that in the past. Yeah. They talk about optimizing your solar panels and paying attention to what angle the sun rays are coming in to hit your panel to optimize the amount of storage that you get. Clotheslines. Anyway, you can look at uh, all of these 15 things as well as many other links. So that you don't commit any faux pas so when you don't you go commit, camping. Right, when you're camping. And so that takes care of the RV report for this month. <laughs> the un, un- RV RV report. <laughs> but, dear listeners, do understand that we could be out by the pool or learning how to tango. Well, we don't want anybody to feel guilty. <laughs> learning how to tango. And instead, we're sitting here chatting with you in our cabin. Well, we enjoy it. This is, this is our give back to the RV community. We enjoy it. And we value and we, your friendship uh, well, and all of your positive comments. Well, all of your comments, period. And we definitely want to hear from you at rvnavigator.com. And if you have plans to visit 
places that we will be, we would love to see you. Bring food. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Ken is going to run out of recipes mighty soon. So you can commiserate with me as the month goes on, and hopefully by the end with me, I'm and hopefully be by the end of May we will pain. be oh bed bow. Hopefully by the end of May we will be back in shape, and we'll we be, won't be back in shape. I no. won't even be weight bearing by the end of May. Oh, really? Yep. End of May. Wish. Yep. Well, dear listener, um, I, I would like to say we'd like to have you at a campground near us, but that's not going to happen. It ain't going to happen. But if you're passing through the Chicago area, give us a shout. We'll come and see you no, down in your campground. We'll have a campfire down in your campground. How about that? As long as you can get me in and out of the car. No problem. All right, so we will end it up for the May podcast. And we know that many of you are getting excited about going camping because it's getting warm in the United States, in the north especially. That's right. Dewinterize you your RV. Planning your trips for the future while we hunker down and stay home. I had to winterize ours, so yes. I don't know when I'm going to be dewinterizing it. Months and months from now. Boo-hoo. No cruising. Boo-hoo. So, with that sad note, we will pass it over to next month and say we'll see you in a campground near us sometime in the distant future exactly <laughs> bye for now <laughs>